I will make sure to try my hardest and give it my all. That was Teo Taylor, 10-year-old BMX rider who just made it to a world competition. He told me about American Idol. They were coming here. He said, you have to try out. The world wants to hear you. And that was Santiago Ruibal, 17-year-old singer and songwriter who made it all the way to Hollywood for American Idol. Stay tuned to listen to these wonderful stories on Albuquerque's talented youth. Your Espejos de Aslan show starts now. El Colectivo Raíces presenta su programa Espejos de Aztlán. Información, arte, cultura. Bienvenidos. Buenas tardes, Nuevo México. Bienvenidos and welcome to your Espejos de Aztlán show. Mi nombre es Rafael Martinez and I am the producer for tonight's show as well as your host. Forlan Orozco is the sound engineer for this production. We receive support and help from the Humans of New Mexico Collective in the interviews and stories that we feature for today's programming. On tonight's show, we will be featuring the story of two Albuquerque youth Tail Taylor is an extremely focused 10-year-old BMX-style bike riding competitor whose passion for the sport has led to international recognition and receiving the honor of being ranked number one in her age group. We will be hearing from young Tail and her family who will be painting an image on what representing the U.S. and New Mexico means for them. We will also be covering the story of Santiago Roybal, a singer, songwriter, and composer from Albuquerque's South Valley. He made it on to the nationally acclaimed singing competition, American Idol, when the contest made a pit stop to Old Town Plaza in 2018. Beyond Santiago's American Idol journey, he also talks to us about his passion for creating music and what it means to be an upcoming artist in the land of enchantment. We will be going back in time to relive Santiago's American Idol experience while building anticipation for Tales International Feet. To start off this audio journey, we will transport you back to the moment in which Santiago saw the American Idol tour bus parked in front of Old Town Plaza. That day, uh, I took an absence from school. I had to wake up very early in the morning. I think it was uh, 5 in the morning or something like that because we had to beat all the lines that were trying out at the location. And so my dad drove me to Old Town and the place was like fenced off and everything. The whole, the gazebo area was fenced off and there was like all, like a bunch of tents everywhere and a lot of people and it was really early in the morning. <laughs> it was, I think people had been camping out or something. It, it, was, it was crazy, but we had got there, it was like, I think it was seven by the time we got there. There was, we had to get in line. The line like circulated the whole, the whole area. It was a lot of people, hundreds of people. By noon, there was hundreds of people there and my nerves were starting to build up. And we had waited there for hours though. So it wasn't, I had plenty of time to practice and I didn't know what songs I was gonna play. I didn't have anything planned out. And I was just like, uh, let's see what happens. And Santiago might have not known what to expect at first from the American Idol competition, but he would soon learn the level of competition he was up against. Would he be up for the challenge? Stay tuned, and we will jump into Santiago's story shortly. In the meanwhile, let's go back to contextualizing Tail Taylor's story and representing the U.S. in a BMX World Competition at Belgium. I got the opportunity to sit down with Tail's father, Chacho, who will tell us what it all means. 
Escuchamos. Dad, can you tell us a little bit more about contextualizing for people who might not understand what this really means? Why should we support Teo in this great journey that she's looking to take to Belgium? What this means is that Teo is officially on the U.S. World BMX team. And she has been invited to participate in a world race in Belgium, which means that she will be racing against every country that participates. This is a great honor for her to represent our country. And it's a great honor for her to represent our state and our city, all those things. That is why it's so important to support this. And not only her, but to support other children that do other things. I think it's important we get behind Teo and other children like her. It's a great opportunity. And that's what she sees it as. That's what we see it as. And I think that it's just very important that Teo get her opportunity to go represent this country in that race because she earned it. She had to qualify. They don't give this away. And she got it done. And we're all very proud of her. Mm-mm-mm. We sure are proud of all the talent we have in New Mexico. In the time that I spent with the Taylor family, I would go on to discover the talent that is filled in this family with their children. Let's listen to them introduce themselves. So I'm Teo Taylor. I'm 10 years old. A regular day for me is usually riding my bike. Hi, I'm Robel. I'm Teo's big brother. I'm Tatiana, and I'm the big sister of Teo Taylor. So once I got to hear from all of the Taylor family, I was curious to know how the spark was ignited in Teo to get into BMX-style bike racing. Chacho, Teo's father, remembers the story all too well. I was looking through Instagram, and I like to mountain bike. I also ride BMX now. I was watching some of the highlights from the Rio and Caroline Buchanan rode in those Olympics. And so I was watching these races, and Teo came over my shoulder and said, Daddy, what's that? So I started showing her more and more of the races on my cell phone. And the whole time she was looking at him, she saw that there was somebody riding a bike. But not until I showed her a picture and Caroline had her helmet off did she realize it was a girl. And so at that point, she said, can I do that? And I said, actually, you can. There's a track here in Albuquerque, and you absolutely can. So I figured that at some point we would do it. But when I got up to go mountain biking the next morning, at 5 o'clock in the morning, she was sitting there with all of her little rollerblading pads and her little bicycle and said that she was ready to go practice. I was excited to hear how supportive Chacho was on her daughter's request to want to get into BMX riding. So I turned to Teo and I asked her, do you remember the very first day that you went BMX riding? This is what she recalled. I started on my birthday. It was scary at first because I wasn't that good of a BMX rider, but the day that we went to the track, I knew that I wanted to do it. So I knew how to ride a bike, but I wasn't as good as like everyone else. <laughs> Couldn't even get up a hill, so was, whenever I went down one, it felt like I was dropping, but then I got used to it. Tatiana, Teo's older sister, also remembers the very first time that Teo rode her BMX bike. This is what she had to say. I was there, and when she was going down the hills, I had so much anxiety because I didn't want her to fall and then start crying and just break my heart. So it was really scary at first, but then I just started getting used to it, and she started killing it, so I wasn't nervous anymore. I was captivated by Teo's presence. At first glance, you can tell she's quite tall for her age, standing at, I would venture to say, about 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, On the other hand... She is pretty slim and kind of scrawny young looking girl, but she commands her rugged metal BMX bicycle through a dirt course effortlessly. In our initial conversation, I just had to ask Teo, who started riding BMX first? Was it you or your brother and sister? 
and I would be astonished by her response. I started on my own, and then they kind of followed along. I would imagine it would have been the other way around. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> You're kind of the leader in the family, is that right? Yep. I don't know how your brother and sister feel about that. I actually didn't want to do it at first. And it was a little bit of a scary thing for me, but seeing her go through it and made me want to do it. So it's really cool. I just saw her riding on the track and I was super bored. So one day I just decided to start riding. Best decision ever. It's so much fun. During my conversation with the Taylor family, I would learn that Teo is most certainly a leader with their family, but also in her BMX track and in her community. After interacting with the Taylor family and learning more about Santiago Roybal's journey, it was becoming more and more evident to me how their stories merged. They are both leaders and a representation of New Mexico's young talent. After talking with Teo about her first run around the BMX track, I would ask Santiago where his enthusiasm for music came from. Here is what he shared with us. So I started my love and passion for music because my mom put me into piano lessons when I was five years old. I was just interested in, in tinkering with sounds, you know, tapping, you know, uh, just running around doing all that. And so she put me into music lessons with Mark Gutierrez in Old Town. That's where I first started taking piano lessons. After playing for like four years, I felt like I was needing to expand my musical knowledge. I was interested in playing the guitar, the acoustic guitar. and my mom was suggested to my piano teacher that to help me out with that. We sat there and we hammered the notes out and I became like encapsulated by the whole thing. And I ended up taking it upon myself later on to like teach myself and learn all the chords and all that stuff. And I still play the piano, I still play the guitar. And later on, I learned to play other instruments like the bass and percussion and all that stuff. And singing actually came about four years ago. It's always been there, but it, I just didn't really um, practice it enough. You know, I didn't I, I didn't really find it until about four years ago, like in middle school. It's a great thing. Now that we've listened to how Santiago's love for music grew, let's get back to his American Idol journey. As such, we take you back to Albuquerque's historic Old Town Plaza, where he will paint us an image of what the atmosphere was like in the competition. Escuchemos. There's people in the line were singing, you know, they're warming their vocal cords up. There, there's one guy who was playing his guitar, the girls and the, and the guys, and everyone was were singing along with his songs. And fast forward to the moment where we're about to enter the fenced off area. I had my guitar ready, walking in up to the sign up desk, and they said, "What's your name?" You know, I said Santiago Rival, and they said, "How old are you?" And I'm, I was 16 at the time, so I was, uh, I was a little guy. <laughs> They said, okay, uh, they got a number, and then there was three judge tents with two producers per tent. I was ready. I was anxious, and we had gotten onto the platforms. I think I was a second to last one to audition. The first two girls, they did their audition. They were told to step back, and then it was me. I stepped up, and then I think the first song I played was an original. I think A Shoulder to Cry, I think it was that one. A shoulder to cry on all I am A shoulder to cry on That's how it's always been And at first they were like, oh yeah, that's cool. They gave me some feedback. They said, we like that a lot. 
what else do you have? I was like, uh, I, I didn't know what else to come prepared. So then I busted out into singing Spanish, and that's when they turned their head a little bit. They had their attention on me, and I played, the song I played was Amor Eterno. Tú eres la tristeza y de mis ojos Que lloran en silencio por tu amor they really liked that a lot. And uh, I was told to step back after that. The last girl went up to do her audition, and then she was told to step back, and then they said, okay, numbers one, two, and four, please step forward or something like that. And then they stepped forward. I, I was, like, back there by myself. You know, they, they stepped forward to the judge tent, and they said, the producer told them, ladies, unfortunately, we feel that this competition isn't for you. When I heard that, I was like, whoa, <laughs> oh my God, what's happening? And then they kind of walked away, and then it was just me there, and then I was told to step forward. They were like, congratulations, you move on to the next round, you know. Santiago was one of three contestants in the Albuquerque editions who would get the ticket to advance to the next round, the next round being in our sister city, Denver, Colorado. We will return shortly to Santiago's American Idol story, but for now, let's go back to Teo's adventure in the BMX track. When I talked to Chacho, Teo's father, I had to ask him the question that is probably in every parent's mind who is listening to this program tonight, and that is, how did you weigh your decision into allowing your daughter to ride BMX when it is such a dangerous sport? I think that there are things in life that are much more dangerous than BMX. And I think that idle time is one of those things. And so if your child is interested in anything that will take their time and keep them busy and occupied, then I would support that, right? And BMX is a dangerous sport, but at the same time, it's done so much for her. And, you know, she has a few little scrapes and some scars and some things that she's earned while riding. But at the end of the day, we do everything we can to keep her safe. So I made sure she had an abundance of padding <laughs> and a helmet. Of course, you know, it's, it's a rule. You have to have the helmet, gloves, you know, everything to keep her safe. And here she is. She's still kicking. So I think they'll be okay. We have reached the halfway mark for our remarkable show featuring Albuquerque's youth talent. And to add to that grandeur, we have the world premiere of Santiago Royval's new single, A Shoulder to Cry On. Enjoy. A shoulder to cry on That's all I am A shoulder to cry on That's how it's always been Why am I so foolish? I've been there at every turn for you And all that you will do Is stand there and watch me burn But you 
for granted But I just can't let you go I still want to help you For reasons I don't know And if you've gone astray Back to your Espejos de Aslancho, where we have been listening to two extraordinary stories on Albuquerque's youth talent, featuring 17-year-old Santiago Roybal, who is a singer, songwriter, and composer, and also Tail Taylor, a 10-year-old girl who made it on to a world competition for BMX writing. Our story has focused on the talent of these two individuals, but also on the determination that they have in representing New Mexico at a world stage. Teo indeed is one tough little girl, and her father, Chacho, is an extremely supportive father whose love for his children is represented in embracing their talents and passion. Like Teo, Santiago's resilience in the American Idol competition would be tested at many levels of the audition stage. On this next part of his American Idol journey, he talks to us about what the experience was like in Denver's auditions and reuniting with an old friend. Let's take a listen. They said, okay, congratulations, you made it on to the next round. I was like, oh, cool. They said, get on a plane to Denver. I think we just drove to Denver, which was really a really long, really long drive. <laughs> in Old Town, on that same day, I saw Chloe Nixon audition for the same competition. She had made it to the next round. You might remember Chloe Nixon's story from our Humans of New Mexico Collective, but you will also remember her music from our Raices Music Collective, like her song, Blossom. I have a question, why made you feel this way? With me, I think it was three people from Albuquerque throughout the entire day, out of hundreds of people. There was perhaps thousands of people there. It was a bigger city. It was the uh, Denver Convention Center. We went into this uh, waiting room. I waited there all day. I waited there for like nine, ten hours. 
I was hungry, you know, I was not feeling good. So my parents had to sneak in food to me, you know, because the security was pretty tight over there. I think Chloe had left before me, like she had done her audition before me. And then she came back later. She had gotten the ticket to Hollywood, but I hadn't seen her after that. And then I had already been waiting for like six, seven hours at that point. And then I see her walking down the hallway and this time she's like in tears. Apparently they told her that she wasn't old enough by a month to make the cut or something. So they didn't catch it in Albuquerque. So she was not feeling good about that, which understandably, you know, that probably wouldn't have been felt good, feeling good about that either. But then they said that they would reimburse her for the whole trip and that she would have a guaranteed spot for next year which I think is pretty cool. By the end of the day, it was me and like five other people <laughs> throughout the whole thing. And so we went down the hall, down the same hall. At the end of the hall, there was like a, a little line of chairs and we all sat down one by one. And I had made friends that day because we, we were in this big room. And I think this one girl from Arizona was there, a girl from Arkansas, just all over the country, just in that one room, which I think was pretty cool. And when it finally came to my turn the security guard standing outside he was like he's going in <laughs> you know <laughs> and there's little intercoms and i went in the doors opened and then there was like a if i remember correctly there was a total of five executive producers she said hi santiago we are happy to have you here you know we want you to let's see what you got you know so then i i started playing it was a pop song you know and then the last song was a song in Spanish. It was Quien Te Entiende by Crecer Germán. The moment I started singing that song, the dude like on the far right who had been kind of like, he wasn't paying attention the first part of the audition. He suddenly like sat up in his chair and was like, he was like encapsulated by me. I feel like it's kind of a shock, you know, a gringo looking güerito go going up and playing. My skin's white on the outside, but I'm brown on the inside through the bones songs in Spanish and for them I think it was a pretty it was a shock so after that they were all like hyped up and they said good job the one of the ladies said uh you brought a lot of spice to that I'm like <laughs> I started laughing because I don't know it was I don't know it was kind of kind of a weird comment but they gave me the ticket and they said congratulations you go to the next round and by that time I was so tired I was exhausted you know I hadn't eaten very much that day I had a sense of relief sure Santiago could finally take a breather after a grueling competitive process and getting that golden ticket to Hollywood. And just as a recap, Santiago's American Idol journey started in Albuquerque, where he was one of three finalists that made it onto the next round. In Denver, he would be one of five finalists to make it onto Hollywood. Pretty impressive, huh? Well, after getting to know Santi, as his friends call him, one of the things that would impress me the most was that he writes his own music, composes and plays, and also records all of his own material right from his makeshift studio that he's been designing for some time now. And that studio is located in his own very room. So I had to ask him, Santi, how did this process begin for you? So it all started, I think, in uh, sixth grade. My dad he saw that I was interested in, in like recording stuff. And so he went out and for my birthday or Christmas, he bought a starter kit, came with a microphone, an audio interface and a, a computer and all that. And so that's what kind of fueled my taste for learning. And I started using GarageBand and I started recording stuff with my guitar and just little song ideas. And it, they were horrible, but <laughs> it was a start, you know, being in there in my room, just 
in one way it's like kind of bad because like you don't get out there very often but in another way it's like good because you get to learn more about yourself and about what your limits are and what your uh, what your strengths are really it's been a great experience I'm still learning you know and turned my whole room into like a little mini studio <laughs> Clearly, Santi is an immensely talented young man who not only is capable of equipping his room to serve as his very own recording studio, but I would also come to learn that much of his tech knowledge was self-taught in YouTube and the internet has also been a great source of information for him as he shares in this next passage. Escuchemos. The whole process, it was just trial and error, really, and I would listen to my favorite songs, like the Beatles, one of my favorite artists at the times, and they still are, just other songs, and I would take those and use those as, like, reference tracks, but then at the same time, I would go onto YouTube, and if I didn't know how to do something, or if I had trouble figuring something out, I would go on YouTube, or I'd go to the library or and read books and stuff about it, and I would find ways to make it fit my situation because a lot of the pro audio guys you know they have all this fancy gear I didn't have any of that and I I still don't it's I find ways to make it sound as good as possible so YouTube was really a good source internet and YouTube culture was another connection I found between Santiago's story and the Taylor family I was able to see how they were using technology to amplify their passion and talents on this next segment the Taylor family talks about how they use YouTube and social media I run a YouTube channel called Robot Taylor Vlogs. Welcome back to the vlog, guys. And I make content on just about everything I do in my life, which includes family, my work stuff that I do, and, of course racing, right? I would say it depends on how you use it. If you use it to build something and to create something that that's beneficial for you and other people, then it's a great thing, right? And if you use it to consume things that'll help you grow and, and learn how to do things you didn't know how to do before, then it's awesome. I think a lot of people use it to complain and to make issues. And, you know, that's not fun to see. And it, it makes it a rough place to be if, if you're going through a rough time. I have a YouTube channel. My YouTube channel is Tatiana Taylor. I do have an Instagram. Well, I mainly use it doing BMX, so it's like whenever I'm racing people or just like practicing. Oh, yeah. We sure got some young, talented people in the land of enchantment. Speaking of talent, let's go back to Santi's American Idol experience as he was surely filling himself as he was going back to back to Cali, Cali after making it to that Hollywood stage for the competition. So, Santi... What was it like in Hollywood? Three weeks later, we got on a plane to L.A. That flight was actually pretty cool. We landed in Burbank. The environment there was so much different from Albuquerque. It was like a vacation. We were there for a week, so it was like an entire summer vacation during the school year. So I had missed the whole week of school. That was probably not good, but if it's for something like this, I felt like it was necessary. <laughs> the second day, they said they wanted us to prepare for the audition on the third day. So I got ready for that, and come Saturday... I showed up, it was like this three-story like a pavilion, and I had started at the bottom level. I went into the elevator, went all the way up to the top. They had us in this place called the Holding Room, and it was, they had the American Idol logo, and they had the, it was overlooking the Hollywood sign, so it was a pretty nice view. Glass windows, and a bunch of people, man. It was just like, one by one, they had called people up, and throughout the day, it was another 11-hour or 10-hour day or something like that, you know, it was crazy. I think at noon, or something they had called me up because it was my turn I had my guitar ready 
and there was something wrong with like the song choices or something because I had chosen to do the uh, Freddie Fender song again because I, I felt like that was a good song for me and then another song but they said that both of those songs had some licensing issues so they had to scratch those and I had to choose some other ones which I was pretty bummed about. The first time they called me up I was about to go in but I said, oh, wait, is there a piano available? Because I was going to play a piano song. And they said, oh, no, not right now. So you'll have to wait another two or three hours. And I was like, uh, okay, that's fine. So I wanted to hold out. So I waited another two or three hours. I think I had fallen asleep or something because I was so tired. Finally, I had woken up from my nap. And <sighs> the lady, there the lady was, you know, she's saying, okay, Santiago, are you ready? And I was like, uh, ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> Okay, okay. From Hollywood, we go back to New Mexico to contextualize what it means for these young, talented folks to be coming out of Albuquerque. Robel, Tay's older brother, chimes in first. Grow whatever you want. There's movie businesses literally in our backyard that we can work in. Whatever you want to do, it's definitely here. Santi also had some thoughts on what Albuquerque's young musical soundscape looks like. Let's take a listen. Chloe Nixon and... Xavier Thompson. You might remember Xavier Thompson from our Humans of New Mexico story feature, but you might also remember him from Raices Collective, where we play his music, such as the song 15 Years Old. Incredible, you know, great people to have on your friends list, you know. And same thing with Danilo, great percussionist and incredible. <laughs> I've become really close friends with Danilo, and he's, I consider him my best friend. I don't think if it weren't for that one get-together that Cesar put together, I wouldn't have met these three wonderful people. In terms of having great musicians in Albuquerque, I feel like they influence other people's imaginations with their music. I feel grateful to be a part of that. You sure can hear the positivity and confidence that comes out in Santi and the Taylor family's testimonials. They're proud of where they come from, which I asked, Santi, where exactly are you from? I was born and raised in the South Valley. I've been raised by my mom. First part of my life, it was my mom, because my mom and my dad kind of split up for the first when I was two or three, I think. Like up to, I think, four or five years ago, my dad came back into the picture. We've been living like, happily ever after. It's been really good, you know. I owe it all to them, all to my parents. Yeah, my mom has raised me great. She was also born and raised in the South Valley. I grew up in the house that she grew up by the Bosque, so it's like it's like a semi-rural area. So there's like there's trees everywhere. I was when I was a little kid, I used to climb the trees and you know, all that and play in the mud, in the, in the dirt. And when I was born, she took it upon herself to teach me Spanish, and that was my first language. I didn't learn English until I went to school. I identify as Hispanic. I also identify as a coyote. I'm a mixture of things. On my mom's side, her mom is Pueblo, New Mexican. And then on my dad's side, it's like Irish, German. And then, yeah, so there's just a mixture of things, a melting pot, if you will. In talking to Chacho, Teo's father, I also asked what it was like growing up in New Mexico to get a comparative intergenerational perspective. Here's what he had to say. I don't know if I was ever short of opportunity as a kid. I was pretty ambitious and I got into things and tried to better myself and learn and do those things anyways. But I can tell you that with the ambition that I had then and the opportunities that exist today, maybe I could have taken things a lot faster or a lot farther, a lot faster. And when I see my kids and I see what they're doing, it's just almost unbelievable because 
our generation is extremely supportive of our children. And I can see a difference in that because of it. Like my parents, my dad died of a drug overdose when I was in the sixth grade. My mom was dead not too long after of alcoholism. I was raised by my grandparents. They did the best they could and they were amazing. Basically, they saved me and my brother's lives. But what we went through and kind of the basics of that were very different than what my kids have. And so I just see an overall improvement. I think our state is moving forward and progressing every year. I think the city is moving forward and progressing. And I'm proud to be a part of it. Like I said, I'm very proud of New Mexico. We can see how Santi and Chacho, although they are from different generations, have turned their challenges growing up in New Mexico into a positive outlook on the place they feel rooted in. From New Mexico, we take you to my conversation with Teo Taylor, who looks to represent the U.S. in Belgium. Naturally, I was curious to ask Teo, what is the first thing you're going to do when you get to Belgium? The first thing I'm going to do is, like, maybe go see the BMX track and see what I'm going to be racing on. But also, like, is focusing on the main thing, not focusing on, like, going shopping or, like, doing anything like how you usually would do on vacation because it's not really a vacation it's more like focusing so yeah seeing what i'm competing against wow Tao's response displayed a level of maturity atypical for a 10 year old she never failed to amaze me in her charismatic yet articulate ease at the whole idea of representing the u.s in such a big competition if i had to describe Tao in one word i would say determined Speaking on the magnitude and support that Teo has received on her quest to represent the U.S. in Belgium at the World Competition for BMX, Chacho speaks to us on the contributions and love they've received from Albuquerque and New Mexico at large. Escuchemos. First of all, I want to thank everybody who has supported Teo and who has donated. I understand how it is and it's not easy. So when somebody gives, that's a big deal. And we really do appreciate that. And the way that they've been giving is through a GoFundMe. Once again, Teo Taylor and GoFundMe. The GoFundMe is on Facebook. It's also being shared on Instagram. And then there's also a t-shirt purchase. And that's really where we started because we didn't want to really ask for anything for free. So we were selling t-shirts, but then we were advised, hey, somebody might want to give $2, $5, whatever it is, $10. They may not want to spend $20 on a t-shirt. So give them the opportunity if that's something they want to do. And so we thought, you know what? Maybe we drop the pride and allow people to help if they want to. And the outcome has been amazing. We're putting together a corporate package so that we can represent any local businesses in Belgium. We're buying Teo a new helmet and that helmet will be covered in New Mexico business logos. And so if there's a business that wants to get a hold of us, we'd love to share that with them and show them what that opportunity looks like. Indeed, we have some tremendously talented youth in New Mexico. I invite you, the listener, to take the messages you heard in tonight's show to ask yourselves, how am I helping New Mexico's youth? I believe that investing in our youth is an investment in the betterment of our state. We thank you for listening to tonight's show titled Albuquerque's Youth in Motion, featuring the stories of Santiago Roybal and Teo Taylor. You can find this show and other shows in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Please take the time to hit subscribe and rate us to ensure that more people are able to discover us on our Espejos de Aslant podcast. I have been your producer and host, Rafael Martinez. Joining me in the production of tonight's show was Froilán Orozco. We would like to thank the Taylor family and the Roybal Coffee family for opening the doors to their lives and their stories. We would also like to thank the Humans of New Mexico Oral History Project for their contributions to this episode. For more information on their project, please visit www. 
humansofnewmexico.com, where you will find stories of everyday Nuevo Mexicanos.